Liam, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. How are you today? Good. Good. It was uh, not a bad drive from Nashville, so feeling pretty fresh. And is Nashville home for you right now? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 But you're from Toronto? I'm from Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Cool. So how long have you been living in Nashville? I've been living there full time for about three and a half years. Okay. Um, I probably should have moved there a lot sooner, actually, because yeah. I started going there when I was 16. My publisher at that time sent me on a writing trip, and I, from then on, kind of went every year to mm -hmm. either write songs or record a record and really loved the community. But I was very Canadian about it all and didn't make the big leap until three years ago. So, so now that you're living there, I mean, um, how's that going as far as being con from Canada and living in the U.S. and everything? Is that going all right? Yeah, I mean, fortunately for me, I had kind of exactly what immigration asks for when okay. you want to get a visa. I, I got a record deal when I was really young mm -hmm. and also in an era where print was still a thing. So um, you kind of have to, like, prove your ability. And uh, I had, uh, luckily, I had, like, a stack of very old school paper kind of press stuff to give them and, yeah. and had the right stuff to, to get me there legally. And I, I'm actually married to a, an American now. Oh, you are? Okay. Um, but uh, thanks. So the next step is the green card, I guess. But Okay. Yeah. So, so what are you digging about Nashville versus Canada? I guess um, there's a history in Nashville of being like Mecca for songwriters. And the longer you're there, the more you realize that it really is about the song and not about country music, per se. Mm -hmm, right. It's definitely that as well. But I have heard enough stories and I've seen enough people, um, you know, either now or stories about people in the past who are songwriters and want to make music either as a singer-songwriter or something just as a songwriter, and they don't know how they're going to do it. It's not the easiest job in the world to, right. make, you know, to make it work financially. And it seems like Nashville's become a place for people to kind of pilgrim to and find work doing what they're good at and what they love. And so whether you're a singer songwriter and you write songs as a day job and put out phenomenal records, but like stay in town and don't really tour very much, or you go there as just a songwriter, like there's a, there's a long history of people doing that. And so there's this kind of unique community and vibe and, and uh, feeling there that is nowhere else that I've experienced. You know, LA, there's pockets of that, mm -hmm. but it's not the same. It's like, it's about the song and there's this kind of respect and tradition of understanding and, uh, and camaraderie that's really unique. Excellent. So now you have a, a, an EP out now, right? Mm -hmm. Called uh, No Contest. Yeah. And I was curious if the songs that are on that album, if they're inspired by your time in Nashville and the songwriting you've been doing there. I know that there's some content that seems to point back to Canada. Yeah. If you could break down a little bit about the album and, and what's sure. going on there. Sure. I mean, there is an influence from Nashville for sure. And I think what it is, is more of an approach than anything. Um, the older I get, the more I kind of love and revere um, true Americana singer-songwriters. So like cool. my, my kind of biggest hero is probably Lucinda Williams because I find her use of plain language yeah. um, and making it so beautiful and like talking about n anybody's life. She can talk about a blue collar life or an artist's life or something and, and use plain language and make it beautiful and mm -hmm. touching and really heartfelt. I revere people like that more and more the older I get. So her or John Prine or uh, people like them, that's the songwriting I really admire and yeah. strive to be like. And so when I went to Nashville, it just kind of supported that because there's more of that in that community. And when I looked inward on what I wanted to write about for myself, 
I wanted to look for honesty and truth and simplicity. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's influenced my writing for this EP, I think. I really went for simple things. I tried to write about really honest, simple things. And, um, and location-wise, I guess I'm writing about what I know. So in true experiences, every song is a real thing in some way. And uh, so I definitely, in, in Dreamers Rock, I reference a place in Manitoulin Island, which is in Ontario. And, uh, and there's a song called Lafayette, but uh, that's about me being a kid in Toronto learning Cajun music. It was the first music I ever fell in love with was Cajun music. Oh, really? That's why I started making music, uh, and I learned to play the fiddle. And I kind of promised myself that I would always go to uh, New Orleans someday yeah. and, or New Louisiana and go to all, you know, Lafayette and Baton Rouge and, and go and hang with the real Cajun roots there. And I've never done it. And so uh, that's about that. And, and um, I referenced a place in Alabama in another song. So I guess the Southern thing being where I am, it's definitely, you know, reflected in the writing as well. Now, are you a part of a movement, do you think, as far as Canadian artists go, of tapping into a, a Southern, uh, you know, United States? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think I'm definitely not the only one that sees the, the uniqueness and the beauty of that, like, community of people. In, yeah, in why do you think that is, out of all the, you know, things to be writing about or styles to be uh, emulating or however you would describe it? I think um, where the two places overlap is that Canada has a rich history of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of landmass and not a lot of people. So in some ways, we've done a pretty good job of holding on to where we come from. And I mean, they're all immigrants, but like we have rich kind of Scottish tradition where people from certain parts of the country have like deep roots in that and they hold on to the traditional songs that their great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents used to sing, and people yeah. still know those, or the Irish traditions, or the old French-Canadian songs, or the stories of wherever else you've come from. And I think that's a big part of how we hold on to our identity in Canada. Um, and you, you can see it in like who we export as co- um, talent. I mean, it's Neil Young yeah. and Joni Mitchell and Leonard Cohen. Like, we really love the art of storytelling. So I think when you become a singer-songwriter in Canada, those are your heroes and they all came south and if you look at like the crossover where like a lot of american kind of americana heroes come from they're all southern and and i think there's a rich storytelling you know culture down here and 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 so we i think there's an overlap there where we kind of relate to it and we go oh i really relate to that i want to be around more of that and this just being like the hub of it all if you you know if you want to be an actor you want to go to la and if you want Mm -hmm. if you want to write songs you want to go to nashville so as far as heritage goes, um, tying back to the Cajun influence, yeah. I know that the, the Cajun, uh, you know, the trail goes back to Canada. Yeah. So I was interested if that was your background or no, not um, so much. I kind of discovered that later. Uh, the way it worked for me is that my dad's a singer-songwriter too, and okay. he uh, took me everywhere as a kid. My mom and dad were great that way, actually. I, <laughs> For them, it was probably they couldn't really afford to have a babysitter, so they just thought, well, we'll just bring him everywhere. And it became easier, I think, the more they did that. But I, I got benefited from that because I was surrounded by cool things and musicians playing all the time and different genres of music. My dad played a lot of festivals when okay. I was growing up as a kid, and those are always very eclectic. Um, and there, there was an after party when I was about seven after the show, and there was this woman, Susie Schlanger, who was singing and playing Cajun music. And I just remember like this electric kind of like strike through me, like. I was like, I need to do that. Whatever that is, that's what I need to do. Yeah. And 
it was Cajun music. And so I just kind of fell into fiddle and Cajun music that way and then kind of dug backwards and also learned about, you know, the, the history of fiddle music in Canada, which would be French Canadian, East Coast, Acadian. Mm -hmm. And then you see how it all kind of comes together and how the Acadians were pushed out and then came down here. And it's, it's, it's a really, I mean, it make, it's, it's funny that that was the music I fell in love with because it is a union of the North and the South. Yeah. 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 And your, your sound's come a long way since then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a song like, is it Dreamer's Rock? Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, you know, you wouldn't catch that influence there necessarily. No, not necessarily. But, you know, still great sound. Yeah. I really enjoy that song. Thank you. Um, and it's interesting, too, as far as um, the landscape of Canada. You know, a lot of people may not be aware, but um, how, a lot, how a lot of it is just like the plains and yeah. almost more desolate and cowboy-like than America maybe even is. If you go west. The United so States even is. From Ontario, if you're going west and you want to stay in Canada, you have to go all the way around um, Georgian Bay. And then you get into this incredible kind of rocky, prehistoric-looking terrain. But once you break through that, you're in, into Manitoba, and it kind of disappears, and you're into the plains. And, right. and it's, which is kind of mimics like northern United States. It's very, you can kind of go anywhere on the northern border, and you can assume it's very similar if you keep going. Yeah, it kind of remains the same. But yeah, it's a lot, a lot of flat land. And uh, I actually toured a lot when I was younger, and I feel like it should be like. Uh, a requirement in high school or something. I feel like Canadians and Americans should have to do a cross-country trip when they're in high school. Totally. Just to understand the greatness of where they live and how fortunate they are to have this incredible, vast resource. I've had a very similar thought on that, how, how much it can affect the youth to just see how much of our land is out there. You know? Yeah, just how, how, how amazing it is. It is and like appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Some people will go their whole life and never even think about going out to Yeah, never leave know, the state they Utah were born in or, or never California leave. or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. So you have a you know, your your no contest EP is out and everything is mm -hmm. uh, doing well, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, for me, doing great because I, I kinda took a break and this is my first time putting yeah. something out in like six years. So I feel really fortunate. Uh, that it's people are responding to it well and and it seems like the goal I set out for myself was achieved to, to make some beautiful honest music that I was really proud of and uh, and I am good so, yeah and you've got uh, some some interesting tours coming up not really a lot of stuff lined up yeah. live I'm gonna be probably playing some festivals in the summer okay um, sticking pretty close to Nashville for the most part I am gonna go to Canada soon and uh, I do little runs of uh, house concerts in certain parts of Canada okay and um, I'll be probably doing mostly festival stuff this summer, otherwise sticking home in Nashville, writing and recording. And did you play the 30A Songwriter Festival? I did. I just recently played 30A Songwriters Festival. What kind of experience was that? Uh, that was really fun. I uh, was introduced to Seaside because my wife's parents bought a place there like six years ago. Cool. And we went to visit them because it wasn't far from Nashville. Actually, no, I was in Toronto the first time. So first time I went, I went down from Toronto and uh, we were just checking out the scene there and heard about the festival. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool festival to go see. Yeah. I didn't even think about playing at that point. And then years later, lo and behold, both Zoe, my wife, and I got booked for, and went down there. And it was just a really fun hang to be surrounded by so many songwriters in one spot. I mean, that I live in Nashville, so you'd think it was the same feeling. But it's kind of like a mini holiday. I saw a lot of people we knew, met a lot of new people. Yeah. 
down on the coast, and it's a cool hang. Yeah, I haven't been yet, but I've heard that you know amazing things about it and everything. So yeah, like everywhere you go, you can walk into any kind of large or small venue, and most of them are small, which is kind of cool too. And you can hear like a great songwriter playing some songs, which is cool. So, do you prefer that kind of intimate setting? For shows? Um, I like both. Yeah. Like like today, playing with the band that really feels fun to me and right to me now, but yeah. most of my career I've played solo or with a, as a duo. And in those really intimate things, like house concerts, for instance, yeah. I really find like a, I can make a beautiful connection with people and like get to like that real baseline experience of music between, you know, a performer and an audience member. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's easier to connect in those, but I love it all. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm a human, so playing on an arena stage is still just as fun, but it, it yeah. really, they have different, they do different things. You, 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 during your recording session, you described yourself as um, sensitive and, yeah. um, you know, your music comes across as tapping into sort of maybe mystical or <laughs> some kind of expressiveness that leans yeah. towards the sensitive side and everything. Yeah. And I was wondering if you were always that way or if there was like a conscious change in your life that you had to decide, like, I'm not going to be uh, this kind of guy and, and why that's become sort of a, a mission for you as you sort of describe sure. yourself, the Me Too movement, um, yeah. how you would have even brought yourself nearer to that instead of distancing, distancing yourself like a lot of people might. I, I never had to make a decision per se. I think I was raised by a really intense feminist mom and uh, a feminist dad, a sensitive feminist dad. Okay. And um, that was like the foundation of my, you know, my identity and my, the way I related with the outside world, my opinions. And so, in a sense, I made a decision of who I was once I was a young adult and what I wanted to be. But uh, for me, it was in line with pretty much everything I was taught growing up. And <clears throat> with that particular song, To Be a Man, about the Me Too movement. Yeah, that song, yeah. Um, I, re I don't think I thought I was, like, perfect. But you have a certain idea of yourself, I think especially if you think you're being an ally or you mm -hmm. think you've lived your life well, or I was raised by a feminist mom who like kept me in line and taught me how to behave and you know simultaneously be a gentleman, but also give you know women the the room and the space to be equals. And you think you know what you're doing and that you've been doing it right. But the really powerful thing about that movement was that I think it forced good and well, I'm hoping guys who weren't didn't have as good behavior to reflect on what how they make decisions and you know, the behavior that they've, they've had. Right. And I just, with Robbie, who I wrote that song with, Robbie Hecht, we did realize that even though we were quote-unquote good guys, there was things that we had done that weren't right and they mm -hmm. weren't good. And, and um, I think that's the most important thing about that whole thing. I mean, the first time I played that song, it was a very scary song to write because yeah. you feel like, do I have the right to even talk about this? Sure. Is it my, it's not my voice that people want to hear. It's, the, it's women's voices we want to hear right now. And uh, a lot of it, being a man is like learning to sit down and shut up and listen. But I also felt that there was a part of that where we have to take ownership of what we have done and that we want to do better. So with that song in particular, like I remember the first time I played it, it was at a house concert right after we recorded it. It was like, I recorded this album right before Christmas in the winter in, in the wilderness at a cottage with a bunch of my friends. And it was Christmas Eve or something when we drove back and I played a house concert in Toronto that night. And the room was full of uh, mostly older people that show and half women. Mm -hmm. And then I came to play that song, the first time I'd ever play that song in front of people. 
and I almost passed out. I almost fainted because I was so scared to play it because I felt like I didn't have the right to do it. Um, but that is also exactly where I need to be probably. As men, we haven't been uncomfortable our whole lives. We haven't known what it feels like to be afraid of normal things and everyday activities or feel vulnerable. And uh, I think part of it is that my acknowledgement has forced me in that into that situation where I have to feel vulnerable and like, you know, it's my turn, basically, you know what I mean? To, to kind of feel fragile and, and maybe vulnerable and exposed and it's about time, so. What did your mom do? To, to oh, when? Well, for career. Oh, for a career, oh yeah. Uh, you she, described her as a feminist. She was an was, artist. Okay. She, she was a ceramic artist and a potter. Mm-hmm. And she's still alive, and she's a yeah. phenomenal, super strong woman. Um, that was the main thing she's done throughout her life. She's done other things. She's uh, been part of uh, a lot about you know, body health and alternative health studies and, and has worked, helped a lot of people to get better that way. And, um, yeah, she's, she's an incredible woman. She's very inspiring. So you come from, you know, a, a father is a musician and mother's an artist and a healer. and Yeah. So, so you're already sort of off to a, maybe a better start. Well, I mean, some if you like the real left left side of the thinking. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, though. I mean, you use the word, uh, you know, to reflect on your actions. And yeah. to even do that at all is sort of more than maybe lots of folks are doing at all, you know? so Yeah, I mean, I you can't speak for everybody's ex- life experience, but I was definitely set up, and I t- talk about, like, privilege maybe sometimes. I, I was privileged to be in a position to understand my behavior or even want to reflect on it. Mm-hmm. And I think some people are raised in a way where that's not even on the table or, or something drastic has to happen to you in your life for you to want to look inside and, and kind of yeah. pull yourself apart. So are you the type of person who, um, you know, while one project is existing, are you already thinking of your next project? Or are you uh, to degree, yeah. resting on this a little bit? For, for me, a little bit with this one, it's like all hands on deck with this project until yeah. it's done because uh, I am starting over in a lot of ways. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is like your first release. Yeah, like there's a lot of things to do and a lot of things to think about with just making sure I keep this EP alive and keep, yeah. you know, getting it to people. But I have ideas for the future. I, I do, um, I've gotten into producing more and I do want to also incorporate that into my life and work on other people's material. So, yeah, I'm figuring out what, how I'm going to move forward in that way, but I'm, I, uh, I would, I'm definitely going to keep making my music. Yeah. Who are, who are you producing right now? I'm not working on anybody's record right now, but yeah. I did. Um, well, I guess I'm, I'm helping my wife, Zoe. She's, she's, uh, she's about to make a new record, and we're working on some stuff for her. Okay. Um, uh, where can we find that? Her name's Zoe Sky Jordan. Okay. Um, actually, last night, um, the Grammys were last night, and, and Ian Fitchick, who produced that record for her, won a bunch of Grammys with Casey Musgraves because he did Golden Hour for her. So uh, it's a great record that he did for Zoe. It's called Topiary. Yeah. And uh, and I've also played on uh, a handful of other stuff that she's put out since then. So do, we do some collaboration stuff with Zoe, and and I love that. It's fun stuff to do, too. Yeah, just hoping to be more in that realm yeah. of producing. And yeah, and, I, and when I made this record for myself, I produced it, and I okay. produced some other stuff for me before, and it just kind of reinforced that idea that I really do love that part of the process, and, and I'd love to do it with other people. Yeah, excellent. Well, man, best of luck on, you know, your current adventures and the thank future you. ones and everything. And thank you. thank you again for coming to Diddy TV today. So happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 